So that first year you might get a little ridicule because it's new and it seems crazy. You're converting cropland and fencing it. That's nuts. Then the second year, you just, you see it every day. You get used to it. Like, oh, yeah, that's okay. Eh, whatever. The judgments kind of go away. You just accept it as it is, you know. And then the third year, it's like, well, maybe I should look into that. Hey, Corey again. Welcome back to the GrassCast. This is another episode of Stories on Pasture. Stories from the grazing community about their experiences getting started and going forward. For today's episode, I spoke with Serge Koenig. He is a conservation technician and he works for Sauk County. And this is another of our mid-pandemic interviews. So Serge and I spoke via Zoom back in August. And Serge and I had a really wonderful conversation because he spent a lot of time these last few years thinking about how to change the landscape around him. And really, it's not just about changing the landscape. It's been about the culture. So in our conversation, he shared some of his observations about the obstacles to changing that culture, the strategies that have worked for him, and maybe most important for us all to think about what he has witnessed when people have been willing and able to embrace the change. That's enough from me. I'll let Serge take it from here. How it's kind of come to be, I have a pretty long history from very far away. I grew up in Madagascar and um, for the first 11 years of my life, I spent in the fields and forests and deserts and savannas of Madagascar. That was our playtime. I don't think I saw a TV until I was 11. And even then, there were just lines on the screen. And I thought that was great, you know. <laughs> and so our outdoors was the TV. And that's where the drama took place. And I mean, we hunted and we fished and we hiked and we played and we made every weapon and contraption and whatever to hunt with slingshots and bow and arrows and the whole nine yards. And so just spent hours in the field with my friends. And um, that probably enkindled in me kind of a love for the outdoors. And we moved to the United States and bounced around a little bit in Ohio, Iowa for a little bit, and then northern Wisconsin, Antigo, Wisconsin, near Wausau, Wisconsin. And, and of course, it's the great outdoors up there. So I, I felt like I had died and gone to heaven. The fishing was rampant. The hunting was everywhere. The outdoors was everywhere. And so when it was time to go on to college, it made sense. Stevens Point was an hour and a half away. It's the best college I heard. And I think I agree at this point uh, when it comes to natural resource programs. And so I jumped at that and I got a degree in watershed management. Originally, I wanted to work with wildlife. Um, like most everyone that goes into natural resources does wildlife and fish, but the jobs were pretty scarce. And so I switched gears to soils and watershed and that's been a great fit. And it just so happens and it's highly unusual, but 
I left school and I found a job here in Sauk County within a month or so. And I have been here ever since. And so it's been 25 and a half years in this position as a conservation technician. And I love it. And I just, I love my job and I love what I do. And it's meaningful to me. So what exactly is a conservation tech? Serge is pretty much the guy who helps landowners think about how to keep their soil and water safe. Traditionally, this has been all about technological intervention. He can help pretty much anyone in Sauk County install a stream crossing or put in drainage tiles, that sort of thing. But Serge is also clear that his job has always been about more than just the technological fixes. It's like the people stuff that really matters first and foremost. I think it was within the first couple of years I realized, okay, so people control the land. So if we lose the people, we've lost the land. So the first order of business is making sure we can connect with people and keep them engaged in natural resource talk and slowly move them in the direction. But you can't do that unless you establish trust in people. So I figured out like, okay, people come first, second, third, fourth, and then conservation is like last, actually. It really is last. And so that has been an eye-opener, and it's been the most effective way, I feel like, in moving people along on the conservation continuum. Anyway, so when I first started with my job here, found it on doors and talked about conservation practices and, hey, what do you think about this? And yeah, that's some pretty decent success, I would say. But I had been at it for so long that I was realizing that, yeah, we're making some difference, but it wasn't significant. And it seems like the earth was screaming, like, guys, let's get going here. You guys are barking up the wrong tree, so to speak. You, you're spending an awful lot of time dealing with the symptoms of the problem, and we're not getting to the root of the problem. I used to design grass waterways, and then 10 years later, well, they were filled in. We reshape them again. Well, that was obviously not getting to the root of the problem. And so that's kind of the big shift in our department and in my thinking. Yes, this is still a podcast about grazing. And if you haven't heard of him before today, well, you should know that Serge is kind of something of a living legend, at least in the Wisconsin grazing community. So putting two and two together, Serge's getting to the root strategy. That's been mostly helping farmers move towards grazing. This hasn't been an easy task for him. And one of the biggest obstacles that he's faced are perceptions of grazing in the wider farming community. It's so foreign, this grazing stuff. is. First of all, I think it was always associated with, you know, those hippies, tree huggers, uh, liberals, whatever you want to call it, every name in the book, it's got a negative connotation. And that's a hard one to, to get over. And then it's also then because they've labeled so many folks that way or in their minds, they may not come out and say it, but in their minds, it's hard then for so many to join in. Well, wait a minute, for all my life, I've labeled these people this way and now I'm going to join them? Uh, not happening. 
And some of my producers have acknowledged that. They're like, yeah, that was a big barrier. One of them eventually just jumped over, but you know what did it? The finances. Look at the finances. He goes, whoa, okay. I'm going to have to not worry about what the neighbors think, and I'm just going to do it. And guess what? After three years, 366-acre farm right next to him. They jumped. Yep. And then a 40-acre farm on the other side of him. They jumped. So all these people, they got used to it. That's what I'm finding is like it's three to four years in an area, and then all of a sudden, so first of all, you're laughed at, and maybe it's all under their breath, but it's like, oh, I can't believe he's doing that. But the farm economy is helping too. Like, it's not great. And so it's like, well, maybe that isn't so crazy because I'm not making ends meet. And maybe I'm going through some depression myself because this is horrible and some mental anguish that comes along with it. And bankers that are maybe coming around, hey, we need our money back. We've loaned you a bunch, you know. And so I think that's a little bit of a factor for sure. But I think I then I what I noticed was so that first year you might get a little ridicule because it's new and it seems crazy. You're converting cropland and fencing it. That's nuts. Then the second year, you just, you see it every day. You get used to it. Like, Oh yeah, that's okay. Eh, Whatever. The judgments kind of go away. You just accept it as it is, you know? And then the third year, it's like, well, maybe I should look into that. Now, This is where the job gets a bit complicated because you've got to realize that Surge is doing things at a large scale. I mean, we're talking about all of Sauk County. That's got 1,500 farms, more than 300,000 acres in agricultural land. We know he's a strong believer in these kind of personal connections and building those trusting relationships. But once Surge has that, how do you help people to really understand their options? I think of him as kind of a matchmaker. And in an ideal situation, he's got the opportunity to introduce farmers who are thinking about transitioning to folks who are doing it. But that's not always an option. And sometimes he's, he's just got to get creative too. People don't know all the, the what's and how's. So the best obviously is to send them to somebody, but I actually have, I have a water tank with floats. I have stepping posts. I have reels. I have water connection. What that all looks like. I keep that in the back of my truck. So then I just show them like, well, here's how this works. Okay. Let's make fence. So we'll make it in the backyard, you know, take 20 steps and put it down a step in post and string it. And I'll hang it from one place to another said, now, how long did that take? It's literally two minutes. I said, okay, you've made fence for them for the day. They got their feed. Now, but we need to give them water. So I'll bring the tub out. I said, we disconnect here, dump the water. We're going to haul it over and we're going to connect again. How long did that take? Yeah, about two minutes. Okay, well, you should have mineral in here. So let's pull the mineral tub over. I just do a pretend pull of a mineral tub. And we move that over. And so in less than 15 minutes, the work is done. That's it. They've got feed for the day. They've got water for the day. They've got mineral. they got each other. You're done. Like, really? Like, yeah. No, you don't have to do You can go fishing now. 
I don't know, you can paint a picture if that's what you're into. You can go for a run or if you can go for a bike ride or something else. I mean, there, there's always something to do on the farm too, but you could do something else if you want to. But as far as the animals are concerned, you're done. That's it, right? So just trying to show people that another way, another world is possible. I mean, it sounds pretty dreamy to me. I'd absolutely love more time for bike rides. But there is this other layer to it. Because, I mean, what Surge is doing, it's about a whole lot of different individuals. That complicated relationship stuff that he mentioned. And every single one of them, they bring their own baggage, their own unique contexts. That means that their needs and their path forward are going to look different for each person. But Serge, he tries to make it about connection to the land. That's really what it is. And so when there's room to breathe, you can reconnect again. I had like a, I had a long talk with a producer yesterday. It's supposed to be like a 10 minute talk and ended up being like a three hour talk. That's just how these things go. And I've learned not to, well, I got to go and they can't bolt off. And so he was talking about like just how, gosh, I wish we had done this. And there, he's about 60. And um, he's like, I wish we, we had done this 20 years ago. It just, I have space again. I, you know, um, one of their brothers passed away last year in October and he goes, with this setup, we just were able to move forward because there were three of them kind of was, were running the farm together. And without one, it was just set up so easily that they could do the labor and it wasn't a big deal. And I think they were moving like three or four different herds, beef and dairy together at different farms. And it's like, yep, I can do all that stuff. And I have time to go bike. He's into biking. So he does that. Um, he's into other things too. One of the brothers loves to fish. He's like, yeah, he's fished more in this last summer than he has in the previous 10 years. You know, he just, you can, it's, it's you have more time. You have more space to breathe. And so then all of a sudden life is more enjoyable and the farm isn't associated with something negative, but positive. And that's the stuff you tell your neighbors. And so all of a sudden, like, wait a minute, how is Junior or how is my neighbor all of a sudden? Why is he acting so strangely and happy? Well, that might be a reason right there. <laughs> I know that one of the big farms I worked on, it was just interesting. It had taken five years to really convince him to move over to grass, to grazing. And what did it was the finances. Ran the finances, boom, an hour later. After five years of trying every different way, run the finances and boom, 230 acres. Let's put it all in. I was like, wow, I, I couldn't believe it. So he did a lot of the work himself, which was fine. And then he really listened and um, just willing to try something different that someone else was suggesting. And he had a hard time. Again, like jumping part of it was the social pressures of neighbors driving by and making comments because he had really good corn ground that he was now going to put into grass. And I just said, you know, if he can produce really good corn, which is a high in input crop, 
what do you think grass is going to do here? Oh, and that's what it shows. I mean, it's crazy how much forage comes off of his farm. But um, anyways, he kind of got into it. And all of a sudden, he's watching YouTube videos about grazing and stuff. All of a sudden, I think a year into it, I was talking to his kids and his wife. And they're like, what did you do to our dad or my husband? It's like, what do you mean? They're like, oh, my goodness, he can't stop talking about grazing and he whistles and sings and and he's just happier <laughs> I'm like he's just he's just a different person you know long gone is that uh i gotta buy crops or i gotta buy you know whether it's crop insurance or fertilizer like oh boy we got a bunch of rain and now i have to look at adding an extra nitrogen and how am I going to pay for that? Do I need to get a loan for that? Or do I just rent this out? But then sometimes the renters weren't taking care of the land like he wanted. And there was just a lot of stress. There was a lot of stress with doing it conventionally. And so all of those burdens were lifted. Like he just didn't have that. And life got a little simpler and he just got happier. And he was always a pretty good guy to begin with. But they, they mentioned it to me. And I'm not making this up. They're like, wow, he has definitely changed for the better. You know, and he's just a, a much different person. One thing that I've picked up talking with Serge is that he's patient with his process. And this process, remember, it is the slow changing of culture, of helping to shape what's acceptable. But it's not about forcing anyone to do anything. And it's not about a right way or a wrong way. It's about offering gentle guidance. Or it's kind of like I think most folks, all of us included, sometimes we feel boxed in. Like you're in this dark room and you don't realize that there is a world outside that door that you haven't even explored yet that you feel like the world is right here in this room of yours and it's dark because things aren't going well, you know? And so I feel like sometimes these grazing ideas or holistic management type ideas, it's like just cracking open the door, just letting it sit there for a little bit, shed a little light in there. And not everyone's ready to walk out the door, but if you never unlock the door, and just push it open a little bit, then they never get to it. Well, if you just all of a sudden, oh, that's kind of bright. That's interesting. Yep, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. All is well. And then, huh, maybe I should take a peek, which is what happens. That's why it takes about three to four years, I swear. And so open the door just a little bit more. It's like, wow. That's kind of interesting. And pretty soon the room is filled with light and they walk out. They can still come back, but the door has been opened. That's our job. We're just gently opening the door so that they can see what's possible. And not just from a financial standpoint, but from a resource conservation standpoint and from like just a happiness standpoint, like just happier there's something about 
this way of doing things that makes people happy. I think there's a little bit more space or there's more time. There's just a little bit more time. And so that it gives you more space. And then you're not on the tractor when you do this. It's quieter then. You can hear the grass through your boots and you see critters and butterflies and other things skittering away. And then birds are swooping around and the animals, you can hear them eating. And it's like Christmas because they know that when you show up, they're going to get presents, new pasture, new paddock. And so they're happy and you can certainly can sense it. You know, when they're content and happy, you also know when they're not. But like most of the time, I would say when you show up, they're happy about that. And so it rubs off on you. And the work might only take 10, 15 minutes, but you kind of walk around and observe and listen to the crunching of grass and, and legumes and the birds swooping in and out. And that way of like doing things tends to bring out peace and calm. It just lowers the stress level and it makes this more enjoyable. I, I just have seen it so many times. That's how it works. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Search, for sharing so much wisdom and reminding us about the importance of relationships and moving at the speed of trust. If you are interested in finding out more about Serge or just connecting to him, you can do so through Sauk County. That is Sauk County, Wisconsin. They have a website. We will drop it in the show notes. He is on their website somewhere. Yeah. I'm Corey Blant. This has been another episode of The GrassCast, Stories on Pasture. The GrassCast is a project of Grassland 2.0. For more info about that, you should check out our website. It has just been updated. It's new, 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 and really awesome and beautiful. But same address as always, www.grasslandag.org. Time for some thank yous. As always, to Mr. Case Wheatley who helped with production and listened to this episode so, so, so many times. To Michael Bell, who continues to support the GrassCast in ways big and small. And to members of the grazing community in Wisconsin and beyond. So many of you have spoken with us, have shared your experiences. We are always humbled by your wisdom and generosity. Come back for another Stories on Pasture episode soon. That's it. Be well.